following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. excitement. I don't know about you, but there's times where you get a glimpse of heaven like that for just a moment, and you think to yourself, you know, (laughs) death looks pretty good. Wow. Death looks, looks no longer scary. Not worried. Because I'm excited about what What's on the other side? I can't wait to be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. Can't wait to be what I was meant to be. I mean, if you think about it, God created everything perfect, right? Then sin enters into the equation. Uh, (laughs) I'm looking forward to shuffling off this mortal coil. This sin-cursed body. But while we're here, Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ. Death would be gain, but I'm here for your sake, for the brethren's sake, to show this lost and dying world Christ. Mm. What a wonderful privilege. I don't know about you, but I turn pretty Baptocostal when I get... I mean, think about this for just a moment. This isn't the message. This is free. You don't, you don't have to tithe on this one. We get the privilege and the honor of representing the creator of the universe. I don't know what better privilege there is on earth than to simply be a representative of him. We want to spend just a little bit of time uh, looking at some specific prayer requests that we have before us. Dr. Desai's health, we heard some good news this past week, and we're excited that the Lord is doing some work there. Uh, Sister Lynn's sister and brother, um, and then Miss Brenda, uh, uh, Brenda Shelby, <clears throat> be praying also for Barb and uh, uh, We've got uh, several other things going on. We've got some new babies added to our church family. Be in prayer for uh, the Nelsons and the Judases. Be in prayer for them and their babies as they're raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, Sister Debbie's mother, uh, Debbie Stowe's mother, went home to be with the Lord. Uh, The uh, calling hours are at 10 o'clock this coming Friday. Service is at 11, and that's all here at the Liberty Bible, and so uh, if you have any more questions on any of that, anybody uh, would like to help um, possibly uh, provide some food and things of that nature, please let one of us know uh, so that we can help direct you. And then uh, Sister Mary let me know this morning to be praying for her sister, um, the uh, upcoming birth uh, of their baby, of her baby, and uh, A lot of stuff going on, a lot of things uh, in our church life. Be praying diligently about them. When uh, Pastor Green is with us, um, September 11th through the 14th, he'll be, uh, I'm I'm going to ask him to specifically teach on the family and the importance of the family, um, the the importance of family in worship, the importance of family worship. And so uh, all these different things, I'd like to have some different... uh, uh, breakout sessions as well. And so go ahead and mark your calendars for those days. I'm sure to be a blessing if you're able to be here for that. Be praying for a lot of our folks who are taking last-minute vacations and trying to squeeze in one more quick trip 
before uh, uh, school completely takes over. So be praying for all of those uh, who are traveling. And then last, uh, be praying for our church. Be praying specifically for our church uh, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we would never become complacent, uh, that we would never get to the place where we know enough. I'm here to tell you, we never know enough. And the more we learn, the more I study the Bible, and the more I learn about the Lord and about His Word, the more I realize I don't know anything. The more I'm, I'm uh, granted insight into how great and how wonderful our God is, the less about me, I think. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for just a moment, praying for these things uh, specifically, lifting up our church family. If you have a need on your heart uh, that you'd like for us to continue to be praying for, especially in the life of our church, make sure that you grab one of the prayer cards. You can fill that out, drop that in the uh, offering boxes, and uh, uh, we'll add that to our list. Let's, uh, let's reach out to heaven for just a moment. Our great God and our Savior, when we read the Word, we are confronted with the truth of who we are. We're also confronted with the truth of who you are. And Father, so often we can... We can excuse things because of this sinful flesh and because of the world around us. But when we're really honest with ourselves, we understand that we just aren't that good. But Father, when we see you, we are faced with the amazing truth that even though in your eyes we were detestable, you loved us so much so that you gave your son for us. And God, I know at times I look and I wonder how much could I really be worth. And then I'm reminded that you said I was worth your son. Father, that's humbling. And Father, it's a, it's a heavy reality that I am a child of God. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help our church, that as we, as we grasp this reality, as we understand just who we are in Christ, we would stop excusing and stop living in guilt and shame. We would stop living lives of defeat. But, Father, we would live victorious lives, understanding that you overcame. Father, we live in these shells, these bodies. And God, sometimes they hurt, they ache. Things don't work quite right. But Father, though the outward man perishes, we ask, Lord, that you would just continue to remind us that the inward man is being renewed day by day. Father, for the teachers of our church, Lord, I pray whether they're teaching in the adult uh, Sunday school with Brother John or they're teaching with the children's ministries or perhaps uh, uh, the Wednesday nights with Brother Jeff, Lord, I, I just pray, God in heaven, that you would work in their heart, that God, you would draw them ever closer to a relationship with you. That Lord in heaven, we would see uh, you do great and mighty things in their life so that, Father, as we note these things and we, we hear them talk about the God that they truly believe in, we hear them talk about the faith that they live out day after day, that it would spur us on to living a life pleasing unto you. Father, for the children of our ministry, I, I can't think of anything that we could do more uh, than to simply teach them about Christ. Father, to invest into their hearts and into their minds the truth of who you are and what it is that you have done and how we can trust you and our hope lies in you. Father, I, I think of those of our number who are uh, sick and maybe even shut in. And Father, there's 
there's a desire to be in the house of the Lord, but the ability maybe not quite there. Father, let that be something that reminds those of us who could be, but purposefully choose not to be. Let it be a reminder to us, Lord, of how you desire that relationship. You desire that time with us. And not just on Sunday mornings, but Father, day by day, moment by moment. And Father, that we would find ourselves in your word and we would find ourselves on your knees regularly. Father, for our missionaries around the world, that you would give a special blessing on them. God, I think of Joseph and Nelly Mercado, just $5,000 before they're able to make it to their, uh, uh, to their amount that they need to be able to build this new church. God in heaven, would you provide that? Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. What's a few dollars? And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would move into the hearts of your people uh, uh, here and abroad, and that they would have a desire to help uh, this Uh, small work in a small part of the world grow. They would see that as your honor and your glory. Father, I thank you for the different things going on around our property and in our ministry and the the days ahead that, Father, you would work in those situations and those events, work in the hearts of the workers and the leaders, the Lord, you would watch over all of it and it would all be done to bring glory unto your name. Not glory unto our name. We don't want to be known as that church. We just simply want people to say, that's where you can find Christ. That's the place that teaches Christ. So Father, we offer ourselves to you this morning. We confess anything that possibly could be hindering our minds. We ask, Lord, that you would remove any distractions, anything that might keep us from focusing on you, anything that might prevent our hearts from hearing from you. And we we give ourselves wholly to the Holy Spirit and his leading. And Father, as we do this, we also commit ourselves now to obedience. Father, we would not simply learn something new but that we would also walk away from here determined to apply it to our life. God, our world is coming to an end. And time is short. And our friends and our loved ones need you. So, Father, I'm asking that this morning you would save some, awaken some, and draw some but that you would gain glory from all. We pray these things in your son's name. In believing, we pray it for his glory and his honor. Amen. Open your Bibles now, if you would, to the book of Joel. Joel chapter number 2. Joel chapter number 2. The church's ministry is truly multifaceted Um, when we look into the ministry of the local New Testament church. uh, Sometimes we we may wonder, we may ask, what is it that we're actually to do? um, What is it that a church is supposed to be? Uh, The ministry being in so many different things, uh, sometimes certain portions of it get ignored. Um, the church may be well-intentioned, however, um, sometimes we tend to zero in on one or two ministries near and dear uh, to our personal heart, and, and there's, there's not really anything wrong with this until we lose sight of the main thing. We lose sight of the, the importance of what we're going to look at this morning. Um, There are different ministries within the church, such as community, and community within the church is an important thing. I believe the community within the church is needful. We need to surround ourselves, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron. I think that that's a good thing. So many people find their community in their baseball teams, their their workplace, they find community in their hobbies, uh, so forth and so on, and church is just something that I do, but that's not really 
my community. That's not really my group of people. And, and so the church should offer community with fellowship. And uh, uh, sometimes people think that the most important part of the church is the humanitarian aid. We should be doing humanitarian work and philanthropy, things of that nature. Praise. Uh, a lot of people, they focus in on just the praise. That's the only thing the church is about. Um, uh, counsel. You know, this is where you should be able to find wise counsel. Evangelism. Uh, evangelism is uh, a very important part. The Bible does tell us that the great commission from Christ is to go, but it's not just the going portion of it. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to teach them all things, so there's a discipleship portion of that. And so these all kind of build on one another. Now, while none of these should be ignored, the teaching portion, the praying portion, the discipleship portion, the feeding of the hungry, so forth and so on, None of these should be ignored. They are not to be the individual focus of the local New Testament church. Evangelism should lead to discipleship. Community involvement should lead to evangelism, so forth and so on. Uh, Teaching and preaching and prayer time should be an extension of the fellowship and the praise. One ministry that is often overlooked is the ministry that we're going to be looking at this morning, and it's simply this, the ministry of warning. Ministry of warning. I want you to stand with me, if you would, please. Joel chapter number 2. As we stand for the reading of the Word of God, look with me, if you would. Joel 2, starting in verse number 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, uh, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. There hath not been ever uh, the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array before their face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like mighty men, like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. They shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city, and they shall run upon the wall, and they shall climb upon the house, uh, the houses. They shall enter into the windows like a thief. They shall quake before them. The earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Father, bless, we pray, the reading of your word, and God, that it would not simply be something that we go through the motions on but that, Father, we would hear from you, realizing that we are reading the very Word of God. Help us this morning, I beg, to commit ourselves to you. It's in your Son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I said this morning, I'd like to look closely at what it is that we should be warning people about. Uh, why we should be warning people, and maybe even if we, if Lord uh, permits the time, the how, uh, the how we should be uh, uh, warning people. I want you to note right here in verse number one what we should warn the people about. It says verse number one: "Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh." At hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. 
Uh, as I said, one ministry here is simply that of the ministry of warning, and this is what we want to look at today. If you note, uh, first uh, Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-seven, and into the into twenty-eight says, it, "It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning." Everyone. Now, this is one of those things that we uh, oftentimes we think to ourselves that the the church is supposed to give a message that people are going to be uh, in, in the want to hear. They're going to want to hear these things. And if we start warning people, if we preach about hell, we preach about coming judgment. People are going to stop their ears, and they're not going to listen to that. They don't want to hear these things. But I want you to understand something, beloved. If we don't let them know what's coming. What in the world are they going to have a desire to turn to Christ about? They need to see the pending judgment. They need to see themselves as sinful beings. They need to see themselves under the mighty hand of God. They need to see the danger coming. If someone was standing in the midst of the road and no one was coming, they look, they look, they don't mind. I joke with... uh, uh, with my kids, and don't worry, we don't actually believe this, but when we were riding bikes the other day, as uh, we were riding down the road, and there was nobody. I looked as far as I could see. No one was coming. I looked behind me. No one was coming. I even had my little rear-view mirror on my sunglasses, a little stick with a little rear-view mirror. No one was coming, and so I was playing with the kids, and I said, you know, the right side of the road is for people going that way. The left side of the road is for people going that way. The part between the yellow lines is for the bikes, And so I had the kids, and we were riding our bikes in between the yellow lines, right? No worry, no concern until a little bit goes by, and I see a car coming. Get on the side of the road. Get on the side of the road. Get on the side of the road. I'm barking at them. Car's coming, right? I was warning. See, there was nothing to worry about until I saw something to worry about. I don't know what this ding-dong driving down the road is going to do. Is he going to be texting and driving? Is he going to be, is she going to be doing her makeup and run us off the road? I know, 2022, it could be a he doing that. That's a different sermon for a different day. I understand. But I didn't know what was going to happen, so I yelled, get to the side of the road. I wanted to warn them. Why? Because I care. Because I love them. Because I want the best for them. You know, somebody may have been outside on their porch going, man, that dad just yells at his kids a lot. I love them enough to warn them. What are you going to do? Whisper? There's the car coming. Watch out. No. You're going to warn you're going to warn. If you notice there in verse number one, Joel calls out that we are to sound the warning. See what it says there in verse number one? Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm. This trumpet that was blown in Zion, this this trumpet, this shofar, it was to get people's attention. It's time to worship. But at certain times of the life and the times of the people of Israel and the people of Judah, what they would do is they would sound this trumpet as a warning. And so while, yes, there were times where they would go out and they would sound the call, it's time to worship, everyone gather together, it's time to worship. The other option was, hey, watch out, trouble's coming. And Joel's saying, it's time to make it known. Problems are about to happen. Let people know, quit sitting around. Why is the alarm not sounding? The alarm has stopped sounding today. We got churches that know how to feed the hungry, but don't know how to sound the alarm. We've got churches that know how to entertain, but don't know how to sound the alarm. We got churches that know how to accept, but don't know how to sound the alarm. And Joel said, It's time to sound the alarm. You have this place, Zion. It's uh, this place of Zion in David's day was where the ark of the Lord was. It was seen as a holy place. Zion was referred to as a place that was set apart. It was holy. 
this holy indicating that uh, that's where that was a place where God's word could be heard. I want you to understand something. Today, the church should be a form of Zion. We should be known as a place where the word of God can be heard. First and foremost, when people in the community hear about Liberty Bible Church, what they should be able to know, what they should be able to say is, that's a place where God's word is heard. What, is, what, what do people think of when church comes to mind? What comes to your mind when you hear church or you hear someone talk about church? When you're introducing someone to church, you need to come to church because we've got a great fellowship team and the food is next to none. You need to come to church because our events are phenomenal. You need to come to church because we really have a good time with music. You need to come to church because the preacher's short-winded. I don't know, whatever, that's not here. Maybe that's what, we need to find a short-winded preacher, right? What's the most important? What is it that that reminds you of the church? When people think of the church, the free dinner, the good entertainment, the fun programs, so forth and so on, those are all okay to have. There's nothing wrong with having those things. But the voice of God needs to be heard. The word of God needs to be proclaimed. Another thing about this place is Zion, he says to sound the trumpet, sound the alarm. It was advantageous. It was located 2,539 feet above the Mediterranean Sea. And so for miles around, when they would sound this trumpet, for miles around, people could hear it. It was a very advantageous location. You know, I've, I've had people ask me before, why do you post on Facebook? Why do you post on YouTube? Are you trying to become a, a, a celebrity? Uh-uh. No. You see, our desire should be to get get God's message out every way we can. And if there's an avenue available to us to get God's message out, we should be utilizing it. We should be. I was telling my daughter about a lady that worked with me at at my last uh, uh, job at an airport. And uh, I would go, she was an older lady, and uh, uh, she would come, and her kids were all grown, and she just needed something to do, so she got herself a job working security. She was a sweetheart of a lady, but if someone broke in, she wasn't going to catch him. She'd have probably waved at him as they went by, you know. Hi, honey, God bless you. <laughs> that was more of the security she was. And so we got to talking, and I found out that she was uh, trying to grow in her walk with the Lord. She was trying to grow closer to him, and she had been looking for a new church. I started getting online. She was too far away from me, and so I said, well, here's a, here's a couple good churches uh, that I know of in that area. She started going to the church, and then she started learning things, and she started growing, and, and she said, ah, oh, I really don't like this job. It, you know, all I do is sit for hours on end, and I said, well, just bring your Bible in. Read. You think I can do that? I said, well, other security guards come in with a book and read. If they're going to read Stephen King or Tom Clancy, why can't you read Jesus? And so she brought her Bible in. And you want to talk about a blessing. You'd see this lady, she'd sit there at her, at her little table, and she would be watching as people came in, just making sure everybody had a badge. People that were there were supposed to be there. People that weren't there weren't, weren't there. And she just read her Bible. Eight hours a day, brother. Eight hours a day, that Bible was wide open. Not too long after that, she told me, she says, I love this job. I love this job. She would not just sit there and read the Bible. She'd sit there and read the Bible, and I'd be walking by from work. She'd say, Andy, I need to ask you something. Okay. And she'd point out a verse. People walking all over the place, and here I am just preaching a mini message with this lady. Get the message out there, folks. She told me one time, not too long after that, she says, I believe God gave me this job so that I could share the gospel with some of these other people. What are you doing to sound the alarm? 
Is the horn silent in Zion? Let's let the sound of silence sink in for a moment. When we think of Joel's cry here, he gives a beautiful word picture of, of, of what's going on. He says there in verse 3, A fire devoureth them, and behind them a flame, burn, flame burneth. The land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is the appearance of horses and horsemen, so, do, uh, so shall they run, like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains, shall they leap like the noise of a flame of fire. They devour the stubble and uh, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their faces, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war and they shall march everyone on his ways. They shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone on, uh, everyone in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. This is a picture of the locusts. This is a picture of what's going on. Have you ever tried to kill a bunch of animals at the same time, a bunch of insects? This is a video I found of the locusts. Look at them. The picture of this mighty army coming upon the kingdom. There's nothing you can do. You're defenseless. Terrified. You ever have those bugs get on you and it's like the more you kill them, the more they appear? It's like you kill one, two come out. That's what we got. But I want you to note what, he, what else he says in this. It says in verse 10, it says, The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? Who can abide it? Now, let's draw some application to us today. Joel's cry here is that God's day is coming. But he also points that it has come. And we'll look at this a little bit more in another time, but the way the prophets would see, they, didn't, they don't have perfect vision. They would see, and they could see like the tops of the mountains and then the top of the next mountain and the stuff in between. So if you just kind of imagine that mountain slope, they could see the tops, but everything in between they couldn't see. And so the way Joel saw, he saw what was taking place today. He saw what was coming with Jesus' day, and then he saw what was coming with Christ's second coming. And so we see all of this kind of unfold. So Joel is not saying that it's already been here and it's done and over with, but he is, and he is not also saying that it's only future. He's seeing both portions of it at the same moment. He's seeing what's happening that day. He's seeing what's to come, and he's going to put it out for us. And we'll see that more as we go through this. But what Joel is trying to see, this best view, is that Joel saw all these different aspects, and yet he saw that the, the, that the particular judgment in history was the day of the Lord, yet his final day of complete fulfillment was approaching. And so this warning should be clear. Joel saw that this warning was sin and idolatry has a cost. And we cannot put blinders on and ignore God, yet still think that we can get along just fine. I want us to understand something. Any security we think we have apart from Jesus Christ is a false sense of security. I get no security anywhere except for in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that came and died on the cross. Jesus is the one that was resurrected from the dead. No one else in history has this claim. Guess what? Buddha is dead. 
Christ lives forevermore. And he's the only one coming back. Security in anything else is just faulty. So why should we take this warning so seriously? (laughs) You see, if we're not careful, we can quickly dismiss this judgment because we're safe. And I want us to understand what Joel was seeing. He was not just seeing the day of the locust for them. He was also seeing the day of the Lord approaching. And I want us to understand seriously, folks, that there is a day when God will say enough is enough. Brother Jeff this morning was talking about our world and our country and our nation and everything about it is needing to turn back to God. And this is the problem that we have. So many people have decided that they don't want to have the things of God. They want to have their own thoughts. They want to have their own ways. They want to have their own style. They want to have, it's, it's whatever man can concoct in his mind. And this This is where the people of Judah were when Joel started to preach and he was saying, get back to God. I wonder, I wonder how much time before the next army approaches. See, there's coming a day. There's coming a day where Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And it's nearer now than it's ever been. When I was a kid, I'd hear preachers say, the second coming is closer today than it's ever been in history. And I was like, duh. Guess what? It's closer now. Guess what? It's closer now. Duh. Come on, preacher, man. You know what that basically means? Every moment, someone slips into eternity. Saved, unsaved. Saved, unsaved. We don't know when they're going to go. And we don't know when it's the last. And the warning from Joel is that the day of the Lord is here. And you might miss it. When God returns, when Christ comes back, and that foot touches down on that mount, it's over. It's over. Paul talked about it in Acts chapter 20. He says, therefore, watch And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. You see, uh, it is the love that we have for our friends and loved ones that drives us to warn them of the coming judgment. Are there people in your life that you truly love that you've never told about the coming judgment? Are there people in your life that you say, that you say that I love this individual and I would do anything for this individual, but you've never told them about Jesus? If, if push came to shove, you'd be willing to lay your life down. You give them, you give up your life for them, but you haven't warned them. Are there? can we honestly say we love them? We see the car coming. It's a big one. And it's in the wrong lane. And it's taken up all the road and it's heading straight toward them. Well, I I just get to the side and hope they do the same. Really? That's not love. That's protecting self. Well, I don't want them to get upset. That's not love. That's self. I want to, I'm going to skip a little bit of this and just jump to this portion. 
how shall we deliver this warning? I want us to see this dropping down to verse number 11. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. And so we look at this and we wonder, okay, so when is it that God is, what, what's going to take place right before God's army? What, what, what's going to happen? Well, God's going to speak. I think a lot of people are waiting for Gabriel to blow his horn. That's too late. You want to know when the last moments are? Right after God speaks. Look at Hebrews with me, please. We were in the book of Hebrews for nigh on 12 years. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number one with me. And let's see when God speaks. Verse number one of chapter number one. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Ah, we're reading Joel. That was one of the times that God spoke in time past. Look at verse number two. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Beloved, God has spoken. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Not listen to what Dr. Phil's got to say. Not listening to Oprah or Dr. Oz or any of those people. Not listening to your favorite politician. Not listening to your aunt, your uncle, your nephew. Not listening to No, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's Jesus. That's the message. That's the only message worth listening to. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No other name under heaven. None. No other way for salvation. He said it this way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not through Buddha. Not through Muhammad. None of those people can save. It's Christ and Christ alone. I want you to think of that person that you love, but you haven't told. Think of that person when Gabriel finally blows his horn and Christ returns. The Bible lets us know that the day of the Lord is a great and terrible day. If we would realize that God has already spoken this message while lovingly and compassionately, this message should be delivered urgently because the day of the Lord is at hand. Think of that person. Everybody in here ought to have somebody on their mind because you and I both know we're not perfect and there's somebody that we may know that we have not shared the gospel with. If that's the case... What are we doing? Why not? Repent. Time is at hand. This was God's message. The kingdom of God is at hand. He taught the judgment being great. All you got to do is read the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, he says repent. Mark chapter 6, he says the judgment's going to be great. So how much time do we have left? If you read 1 Thessalonians, they believed it was any moment. You ever seen those meerkats? They come out of the hole and they look, and they go back down in their hole. That's the image you get of the church of Thessalonica. It's like they go into church and then they come out. No, not yet. Go back into church. <laughs> Meerkat manner, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians does tell us that it's going to come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? 
You don't want to get ready when the thief is already in the house. You want to get ready beforehand. Folks, I'm all about my Second Amendment rights. Right beside our bed, we got a couple. And I ain't going to wait until I hear someone rustling to go looking for the ammo. I'm here to protect my children. Buddy, there's one already in the chamber. Because I'm ready. Are you? There's a lot of people that are ready for the but they're not ready for the horn. Let me ask you this. Are you prepared for that day? You. If you are ready and you're looking, you're watching the sky, you're even practicing jumping. Can't wait. Praise the Lord. But what about those loved ones you have? Are they prepared? Is there anything that you could be doing to prepare them? Can you help them? Or are you okay that they're not prepared? Let's be honest. Preacher, you're asking me to do something that's not comfortable. Okay, then I guess you're okay with them not being prepared. Well, no, it's it's not that, preacher, but... You, you just got to understand. I do understand. You're okay with them not being prepared. Let's be honest. If you weren't, I'm reminded of Charlie Peace, career criminal, getting ready to be hung, and the preacher reading. And he says, what are you reading? The consolations of salvation, my son. He said, do you believe what you read? He said, yes. He said, if I believed half of what you say you believe, I would crawl across the streets of England if it was strewn with broken glass and count it gain if one person hurt me. Do you really believe it? And he went on to his death. That day that is coming, will it be a joyous day? Or a sad day. I believe it's going to be a day that is very difficult for some of us to face. Not because we're not ready, but because we did not do enough to help others be ready. But here's the mystery of it all. God will come and he'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. Why? How could he do that? (laughs) Because when we see him, all the glory that is him will overshadow any sadness. But there will be tears. Otherwise, what's he wiping away? I've heard preachers say they'll rejoice at their loved ones being thrown. I won't. I'll be, I'll be crying. The thought, not that they rejected, but perhaps my life didn't line up with what I said I believed. And maybe if I had just lived a little bit more about what I claimed to believe, I actually put it in my life. I actually did what I claimed. Maybe they would have listened. Or I was too proud and too arrogant to open my mouth. I was too embarrassed to say anything. I'll have the tears flowing because of that. But then my Savior will open those arms. And he'll say, welcome. Come home, son. Let me wipe that tear. The day of the Lord is coming. And it is at hand.
What are you doing? To help those you love prepare. To be prepared yourself. There shouldn't be an empty seat next Sunday. Because that individual that's on your heart. We need to die to ourselves this week. Do everything that we can. To get them in an empty seat. And when these fill up. Guess what? Go get another one. We'll buy more chairs. I know the treasurer. And I guarantee you, if this this place fills up, he'll be the one probably making the phone call. We need more chairs. Let's get them. Let's win them. Let's warn them. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.